Welcome to Side Control Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. Let us take you on a journey with this week's news, rumblings, and fights. Welcome to the Side Control Podcast. For the next hour or so, we're going to be shooting the shit on what's going on in the crazy world of MMA. Enjoy. What's going on, player? What's going on? How are we? All right. Well, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute, yeah. It has been a very hot minute. And it's a different world. It is a different world we live in now. It is a totally different world, especially in the whole crazy uh, MMA world. Well, How much has changed? We nearly had an island. We nearly had a Mortal Kombat island. We've still got it. She has island. Yeah, but... Not the same, is it? No Shang Tsung, is it? I, I was picturing like an um, Enter the Dragon type scenario. Yeah, I want them to have a throne. Once a Dana White in the throne and then fighting on the beach. As in Suhudo, what has he got one of that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he has only. So there was, um, I'm just going to say it how it is, a very lacklustre card past weekend. I'm going to go straight in at the main events. There's other things to discuss, but we'll, let's talk about the main events. So Curtis Blades against Volkov. Volkov, very dangerous, heavyweight. Yeah. I, I think what happens is what everyone expected. Wrestlefoot. Yeah. And this puts... Curtis played in what position? Like well, if he win, it would probably better for his career if he lost. The the problem with Curtis Blades is Ingarnu still exists. Mm. That's the problem. And it's not like we can say, Oh, it was a fluke. Even you can't even say, Oh, it was a fluke twice because twice. He battered him twice though. I mean I know it was quick the sec, but it was it wasn't like oh, he just didn't get to play out his game plan. Ingarnu did to him what he's done to everyone except Stipe and Derek Lewis. Yeah. So I was looking at the heavyweight rankings, so you've got obviously Stipe and Cormier scheduled to rematch. You've got Ngannou promised to get the winner of that fight. And he deserves it. But what I don't understand, right, they won't give GSP a Khabib, because they're saying it'll hold up a division. So now Daniel Cormier, he's openly said this is his last fight. Yeah. So he's fighting for the title on his last fight. It's a personal thing, isn't it? It happens with Dan Anderson against Bisping, didn't yeah. it? His final fight. But if Cormier wins, then what? Dana White holds grudges, doesn't he? It seems, yeah, well, but yeah, of course he does, yeah. But um, this Frank, Frank Shamrock. This is a personal thing for Dana White, I think. But where, where does Curtis Blades go here? There's only really Derek Lewis for him to fight, and he's already got a fight scheduled. Who does he fight? What does it say if he beats Derek Lewis anyway? What does that say for Curtis Blades? Nothing. Because I'd expect it. He should, he should beat Derek Lewis, yeah. But who is there left for him to fight? There's no one. He's young though, isn't he? He's got time on his side. He's 29. And probably the logical move, if he had to have won, would have been Vadoom. That would have been a good fight. And it would have set him up for a number one contender. But as you say, with Ngarnu, what can you do with him in the wings? He's just, he's just got to wait for it to play out, hasn't he? He's got to wait for the Stipe Cormier and then Ngarnu and whoever the winner is. If Ngarnu gets the belt, I'm telling you, Curtis Blade versus Ngarnu 3 still won't happen. I'm not asked about it. I'm not asked about it. I feel sorry for Curtis Blades because he's young, he's supremely talented, but it's like the John Fitch of old. Styles make entertainment at the end of the day, and to the casual MMA fan, that's just not entertaining. I, I even go as far as to say that's not entertaining to me as an MMA fan. And I know we haven't got a wrestling background, especially in this country, we, we tend to favour more boxing and kickboxing and things. But even without the wrestling backgrounds and understanding us, it's, it's it's poor if you're going to wrestle then do something with it I, I don't understand it's the wet blanket method isn't it where 
let's not advance positions. Let's just stay where we are and take a dominant position and win on points. Yeah. It's if that happens in a striking fight, if the like Adesanya and Romero, if they just circled each other and then threw a punch every three minutes, everyone would be in uproar. You did. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, though. That's what I'm saying. You, you notice it for striking. If it's a boring striking match, it can be a boring wrestling match as well. So it looks like Overeem's going to rematch Rose and Strike. That's the next move. Yeah. Um. So that literally, really does not leave an opponent for Curtis Blades. Like, no one. So he's going to have to wait. Pray that something happens in uh, DC. Maybe one of them gets injured and falls out and, and Garnu steps in and then... He, he's basically waiting for Ngaru to get beaten. That's what he's waiting for. I'm st- I, I, fingers crossed one day over him gets that belt. Wouldn't you love that story? It's never happening. No, not now, but I'd love that story, mate. <laughs> I've got a soft spot for the ring, like Biggest cheater I've ever met here. <laughs> what, you mean juicing? Oh, well, look at him. <laughs> TRT over him. If you go back to Pride 2003-2005... Skinny. <laughs> his physique... I know, obviously, you fill out as you get older, but oh, my word. He's filled out, hasn't he? Horse meat. <laughs> he's filled out, like. Horse meat, he says. When he turns up to fight Brock Lesnar. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and so, we don't know what's going on with um, the heavyweights at the minute, but on the same card, I wrote down on my notes that um, Raquel Pennington's still doing the damn thing. You made notes? Oh, I made, I always make notes. <laughs> In your head. I've got this big dick <laughs> attitude of writing notes. <laughs> hustling? I'm hustling. <laughs> I'm hustling. So... Raquel Pennington for Marianne Renault. Yeah. I defy you to show me a more boring fighter than Raquel Pennington. She is the worst. <laughs> Carlos Barzi, you're not a fan of her, are you? I'm not a fan of her. <laughs> I'm not. A... There's someone else I'm missing out to who I absolutely despise. Fighting style, I mean. Uh, female, I can't remember. But the point I'm bringing this up, <laughs> Raquel Pennington, right, for Marianne Renault. Marianne Renault. For a female fighter, was the oldest ever to compete in the UFC at 43 years of age. 43. And the reason I bring that up is the co- the commentary and the stuff I've seen. is like, what's she doing fighting at 43 years of age, right? Randy Couture comes back at 43. You'd had Dan Anderson at 43. You'd had fucking whoever else. Uh, what, Mark Coleman was about 46. Fedor, how old's Fedor? He's been still doing it. I think he's only about 43, you know. Is he? Yeah, he's not as old as you think. In fighting years, he's about 90. Well, he is, yeah. Look at Shogun, he's only 38. And you'd think he was about... 38? Yeah, he's 38, what? Shogun. So, anyway, the point I'm making is, though, is that a bit sexist? Because when Couture comes back, it's like, Captain America, age is just a number. And then Marion Renault, like, what are You're the probably, grandkids doing? What are I the think, grandkids doing? I think, it, <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably depends on the, the person, though, doesn't it? I mean, if Ronda Rousey gets to 42 and then goes, you know what, I'm coming back... I don't think she gets the same response. She probably does the same way the audience. If but. I get to see Ronda Rousey get her head kicked in again, I'm game. I'm <laughs> up for it. I can always watch her catch a whooping. Yeah, her personality didn't lend itself well to everyone. was just waiting for that day, weren't they? Yeah, so maybe they are sexist, maybe they're not. Maybe Marion Renault has got grandkids to look after. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But. Did someone th- say that? <laughs> on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> But at 43 years of age, what an oh. achievement that is. She yeah. actually celebrated the birthday in the cage. Whilst getting a whooping. But either way, what an achievement. To still be doing it then, yeah. So it, here's my question to you about um, the card. Jim Miller got a submission victory over Roosevelt Roberts, I think his name was. Yeah. Um, he was the underdog. So I'm going to put this question to you. Jim Miller, 
Hall of Famer, yes or no? We had this conversation about Cerrone, didn't we? I don't, I don't know. I don't know about Jim Miller. I think Cerrone definitely. But what do we put? What do we? It, it comes to the point of what you put a Hall of Famer in there for. So the reason I brought that up is because of the conversation we had about Cerrone, and the reason I say that is because most UFC wins tied. Yeah. Most. Um, I've seen this. I've seen the, the most stats, bonuses yeah. that yeah. tied. Yeah. So how can you say Cerrone definitely, but Miller not? See, I haven't decided on Miller. Not you just threw this on me, like, but he's not a bigger household name. What should it? I think to to be in the Hall of Fame, it's the Hall of Fame, isn't it? To what impact have you made on the sport? As in, to the fans, I suppose. Not just in your achievements, like did you win a belt? How yeah. long did you keep your belt? How many times you spent yeah. it? But also, what impact have you brought to the sport? And I think Cerrone's a household name, isn't he? I put them both in the Hall of Fame, and the reason I would do that is if it was an MMA Hall of Fame, neither would be in it for yeah, me. Yeah, and me. But for the UFC, for the company, yeah, they're both, I think, warranted a Hall of Fame spot. Agreed. I know Cerrone's fought for the belt twice. Has he fought twice? I know he fought RDA. Did you fight Pettis for the belt? No. He fought RDA for the belt and got starched. I think he only fought for the belt once, actually, now I'm going to think of it. But Jim Miller, he's never fought for the belt. His probably biggest name opponent was Nate Diaz, I'd say. And he got guillotined by him. So, <coughs> results-based, yes, or only as be bigger names. That's Jim it, Miller. you'd have to put calibre of competition in there as well, don't you? Yeah, but uh, Jim Miller submitted Charles Oliveira, look at him now. Yeah, yeah, he's on, he's on a tear, isn't he? When you caught someone matters as well, though. Like, when at what point in their career you caught your your fight with them matters. Like Matthews against GSP, the first one? Yeah. Caught him early enough, didn't he, to win? It's still, a, it's still a loss on his record, though. No, yeah, it is. But it's no a one made him take the fight. No, no, it's a different fighter, though. It is, but you could take it about anyone. Could you not? Yeah, that's why I'm saying it should be taken into account. Yeah, so the main topic of conversation from this card, easily, was the, the Max Roshkopf. Emmy? No, well, we, we'll get. That, that was one of the best fights, yeah. probably the best fights I've seen of the year. It was an exciting fight, wasn't it? Who did you have winning that, by the way? I think Emmett won it, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. There's been a bit of a controversy about this, all saying that Bear just won, but I didn't see it that way. No, I didn't see it that way. By the way... You have to go back and watch them again sometimes, though, don't you? Josh Emmett, in my head, has been doing the thing for 20 years. He hasn't, though, has he? No. Who knocked, who, who was it who did some real damage to him? Like, really set him back a Jeremy long time? Jeremy Stevens. Stevens, yeah. yeah. Is that, did he hit him while he was down? Why have I got that he had, that was an arsehole move, and I can't remember why? It was, because he was out cold, and he, and he hit him again, yeah. Him, yeah. That was... What did he say? Didn't Josh Emmett say like he couldn't chew or something? Or his yeah, jaw was he broke his jaw. He was out for like months, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he, he's a he's a legit problem at that weight class. He's never going to be title contendership. He's just not. Even though Shane Burgess is a great fighter, Josh Emmett's always going to be... How old is he now? Who? Emmett. I think he's about 33. Is he? Uh, that's off the top of my head, but he's not really going to be fighting for the belt anytime soon. He's in that weight class. People can turn it round. Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler was all yeah, but Robbie Lawler hit the scene like a like a bat out of hell when he first came, didn't he? He was always mm. looking like he was going to be trouble for everyone, and then was it Pete Pratt? Like took his legs to death, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. So the main topic of this card was Max um, Roshkoff, which me and you have spoke extensively about over text, have we not? And I think we were surprised, and we took the same approach or feelings towards it at the beginning of. I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, because you sent me it as it happened, so you sent me a clip of it as it happened. 
because I was working, weren't I? And I remember looking at it thinking, that, am I, is that, because I don't think, I, I'm, I'm okay on both sides of this, because I don't think that's bad cornering. I also don't think anything wrong with the fighter doing that either. I think it's a difficult situation for them both to be in. It is, I agree. Go on, elaborate on why it's not a bad thing for the corner. Well, I think, well, from my point of view, right, that the, the corner man knows his fighters, and unless you know the corner man and his fighter and the relationship they've got together mm-hmm. really well, yeah. like, th- that might have been an absolute dickhead move if I knew them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to take it on faith because I've seen stuff from, the, from the, the corner man recently as well come out, and I've, I've heard him talk about it and his reasoning behind it. Yeah. It seems legit. It seems like it was a legit decision that he was just trying to egg his fighter on and keep him because they've worked really hard to get there. Yeah. And you don't know the struggle it takes to get to that point in your career to get to that five and older. Yeah, four days notice fight. No, yeah, that these, these things need to be taken into account. But I'm just just saying from the point of view of the corner man, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think what he did was completely out of order, and it looks like he might be getting disciplined for it as well. And what's worth noting is Robert Drysdale has always been his coach, so yeah. it's not like he's just yeah. a new coach who's. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you see, uh, the way I see it is a coach's job is obviously to train your fighter get him prepared to a fight uh, prepared to fight but that's also mentally as well so his job is to motivate isn't he yeah. that's his job to get him through the fight yeah because we've all been in situations with any physical aspect of training or any physical aspect of exerting yourself where you want to quit and someone said no we've both been in the armed forces yeah. there's been loads of times where you want to quit yeah. but someone pushes you on and then when you complete it in your head, you're grateful of that person pushed you onto that limit. He knows that fighter, so he knows if that's the way he is, personality-wise. And like, if he does that in the gym, then it's like, come on, we get through these last rounds. Come on, we pull through these last rounds. Some people need that sort of motivation. Some yeah. people do. Yeah. It's it's sad. It's sad for the lad because that's his debut, and to catch your debut in the UFC five days notice, not really prepared for it, coming right out of a pandemic. It's just it's just a it's, tough go at it, isn't it? It is a, it is a proper tough go. The only issue I took with it, him saying call it. Yeah. I, I can understand the fight to go, no, no, we've got five minutes, you've done ten, we've only got five minutes, you can push through this. But as soon as he said, I don't want to do this anymore, I, in my opinion, that's it. Yeah. yeah that's you, it. You, that, that comes, it's, it's, well, we've seen other, we've seen other cornermen do it, haven't we? We've seen other cornermen stop fights for fighters and then just not get up again and come into the to fight the next round and it's never been a massive issue before like it is for this one I don't think I've never I've never like when Pettis was fighting Ferguson uh-huh. and he went to his corner and he said I think I broke my hand and straight away that was it he went right then well, I'm not sending you back out there and we're all like well this is really good corner and that's what you should do that's what they're there for yeah. when it's still a bit round and it's more of an emotional thing and the cornerman saying, "No, come on, we can do this." It's something you can't see. If he'd have come back to his corner and said, "Listen, I've I've broke my hand, or I feel like I've fractured my eye socket, friggin' teeth are falling out," and that cornerman said, "Right, then we're corner." Anthony Smith situation. Yeah, we're, co- we're not corner. Yeah. You're going back out. It'd be a different conversation, but because yeah. it's emotional and it's something we can't see. Yeah. It's. And he never took a massive amount of damage. He he wasn't taken. I had it as one round each. But your brain's a funny thing, though, isn't it? It's a funny thing. Like, growing up, you'd always see... Like, you'll see sometimes, won't you, people who are in a fight or... Mostly, like, mostly when, when I was in school, if you see someone get headbutted, that fight's over. 
Do you know what I mean? But it's not like you've done enough physical damage for that fight to stop. You've just took all the fight out of the person. Yeah. Like if you ever get in the nose hard enough, if you know if you've ever been hitting your nose hard enough, sometimes that's it. It just sucks all out of your, all the fight out of your body. And that's why they're professional fighters. Yeah, yeah. But but it's the same. But sometimes your brain just—it's a funny thing. Yeah, it is a mental thing. It is totally a mental thing. This whole archaic. Oh, you're in a wrong sport. You're a yeah. quitter. You're this. You're that. That's a, absolute nonsense. A quitter. The lads. The, the, look at the point of the career the lads got. He's in the UFC fighting. He's, this isn't the first time he's been in the cage. He's in a fucking cage in his underwear, <laughs> and you're calling him a quitter. It isn't the first time he's done it either. In school, if someone said to me, "Yo, me and you are fighting after school," my arsehole in diameter is going <laughs> to at least ten centimeters in circumference. <laughs> Get, get your t-shirt off and your trousers when fighting in your underpants. <laughs> but imagine, right, that exact scenario in school where someone's saying, um, this person in school who's so tough wants to have you a fight. You go, you fight that person on the school playground. For 10 minutes, you have an absolute war. <laughs> and after 10 minutes, you go, I'm done. And you have Billy Big Arse in the corner <laughs> going, loser. <laughs> What's that about? It's just weird, isn't it? It's a weird situation. <laughs> I've got no problem with what happens, and I've got no problem with the fighter saying, I've had enough. It depends what level and what punishment you've took at that point. The fighter's allowed to say, do you know what? I've had enough. I disagree with my cornerman, and I disagree with it, so I've had enough. That's Cause, fine. Because Drysdale, if we're being honest, he shamed him, doesn't he, really? Oh, unfortunately. Yeah. Very much so, yeah, unfortunately. Especially with the way now the, the corners are mic'd. And you you can hear the entire exchange, yeah. and there's no crowd. No yeah, there's no <laughs> crowd, so we're listening to everything. And he made them say it like what seven times or something like that. Nine times. He said nine, it. nine times. The and poor by lad. the end, he was proper whispering. He was like, "Call it, <laughs> no call it, definitely call it." Uh, Is this my con? Call it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight him now. I'll fight him now. No, definitely call it. Call it, definitely. Yeah, I've, you've got that coach. Egg kick, egg kick. Call it. Call it. <laughs> Not, not waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I'll with. take him down and I'll wreck him. Stop the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I'll definitely finish it. 30 seconds. It's not going further now. Definitely call it. Call the coach. <laughs> I'm going to fucking wreck this guy. Switch your mic off. Call it. Switch your mic off. Container, Amy. Call it. <laughs> Someone get a pen and paper? Break me hand quick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm only joking. This is only fun and games. We both have openly said we fully, fully understand why he said what he said. He's, he's allowed to. Yeah, as you said, with coronavirus, lack of training facilities, four days notice to go in the UF, UFC in your underwear, and then that happens. You've, you've four, ten minutes. He's got nothing to prove. And I think we're at the point now... Where, I'm not saying that as though he's got nothing to prove he's been a champ I just mean he's got nothing to prove as in is he brave do you know what I mean you step in the cage you're brave yeah that's End what I'm saying so and they, they always they all speak about having nerves and how it gets to you and what you do with your brain and then how it affects you and, and there's nothing scarier apparently than getting tired in the middle of the cage in the middle of a fight I, I fully fully would agree I believe it yeah. I can believe it and I've got there's no shame in what happens not for me not from my point of view I, I don't think so the only thing I hope is that I hope he doesn't call it a day because the kid's obviously very talented yeah he's good isn't he if you're 5-0 when you're getting called up to the UFC you're obviously talented so I hope that and it he takes time it wasn't one sided it wasn't no, like he no got beat up he didn't get no. pillar to posted 
So hopefully, our young, I hope to see young Max back in there. Yeah. I don't know about whether he should change coach or not. I'm split. I can see both sides of the argument. Have you listened to his coach afterwards? He said he stands by it fully. Yeah, we stand by that fully, and he also stand, he, he was talking about his fighter, yeah. and he said I stand by my decision, but I also stand by my fighter as well. He's not like he's a little shitbag. <laughs> he's he's going. I understand it. It's fine. It yeah. is what it is. So Dan Hooker made a tweet about young Max. Uh, your your mate. I can't stand Dan Hooker. And the reason I can't stand Dan Hooker is because after Dustin Poirier um, lost to Khabib, if you remember, Khabib done a really nice thing of giving Poirier oh, shit. Yeah. And what he does for charity, Poirier, is like, it's very admirable. And for Dan Hooker to call him out by calling him a piece of shit and he was going to smash his face in, that just turned me off. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense also yeah. in the narrative. Well, he's just... It's it's this era we're living in now, aren't we? Because even when I put up, I put up a tweet about not liking Dan Hooker, and someone actually commented, well, it depends if he's in character or not. This is what I was about to get onto as well, but go on, you carry on now, I'll talk about that in a minute. So what is this character? We watch mixed martial arts. These are real people with real personalities and real skills. We don't need them to play characters. If they gravitate towards us or we gravitate towards them, it's it's natural. We don't need look at the Colby Covington situation. Just be yourself. But on the flip side of that, Colby Covington wouldn't have got the fight he got probably otherwise. Also, in that in saying that, right, for me, if you're gonna play a heel, why play a low key heel? Why just be a dickhead every now and again? Just give me full Macho Man Randy Savage, be a bell end, call everyone out. Dude. Macho Man Randy Savage was never a bell end. He was a heel. He was a heel. He was not a heel. He was a heel. Him and Elizabeth were there. Relationships <laughs> that we could all strive for, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Come in and do, do your tail sonnens. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it's all right if you want to be here. You want to play a character and it gets you more money. At least be funny with it, though. But that's what I mean. Be funny with but it. But if you're just gonna be a prick, then you're just a prick. So I don't even think we've mentioned the tweet in question was that um, Dan Hooker actually put a tweet of that video of yeah him with Drysdale and Paul. I didn't know that people were made of marshmallows or something along them side. And even tagged Sean Shelby in it. So, hey, hooker, you may be cool. Snitch! (laughs) Snitch! (laughs) What are you tagging Sean Shelby in it for? What's that about? He's a grass. Uh, A proper grass. You suck suck up, any? Yeah. (laughs) You can be tough as you want. Not giving up, getting the absolute living shit kicked out of you by Edson Barboza. And yeah, fair play to you. You lost loads of IQ points and your body got damaged, but you know, your warrior codes are still intact. But you're a snitch. <laughs> you really don't like Hooker, do you? <laughs> no, he's a snitch, and I just don't like him. He's at a all. snitch. Well, he is, isn't he? Little grass. What are you tagging Sean Shelby for? <laughs> a snitch. <laughs> Shelby was probably watching. <laughs> Well, he wrote back, lol. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. Ruffle. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't like Dan Hooker. And he fights next week. He will fight the nice man, doesn't he? He fights who? The nice man, doesn't he? Fights. Just the nice guy? Yeah. Well, yeah. And um, I, So, next week's... Let's talk about the co-main events and main events of next week. Because the main event is obviously Poirier yeah. and Hooker, and the co-main event, which we'll start on first, which I'd imagine we could dedicate a whole hour episode to this co-main event, is Mickey Gall versus Mike Perry. Have you seen Mike Perry's latest Instagram post with the cuts on his knuckles? Apparently, and- apparently, 
Apparently, yeah. Apparently. Rumour has it. Rumour has it. It's an old video. So for anyone who does, hasn't seen the video, it's a video of Mike Perry with cuts on his head and a, and nasty cuts on his hands, on his knuckles. It looks like he's been in a fight. Like, not in the in the sparring with, you know, the pads and the gloves. It looks like he's been in a, a fight and he's punched the walls. Whatever. But it's a weird video. It's just weird. That's all right. He's got a great head co- uh, head coach. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a game plan set up. Have you seen him singing? Have you seen him singing to his head coach? I don't want to see him singing oh, to his head coach. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Remember, Tyron Woodley did that little release, that little snippet of his new of his new um, album, his new uh, song. No. Do you not remember? No. I'm so in love with you. <laughs> Isn't it falling in and out of love with you? Falling in and out of love with you, yeah. Falling in and out of love, falling in and out of love with you. Someone mixed it up, mashed it and put um, Mike Perry singing his song and him singing Mike Perry's song and it's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) How do you see that fight going? I don't care. I think Perry beats him, if I'm honest. Do you really? Yeah, I think Gauls. He's a bit of a cheat, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, him and Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez just cheating against Diego him. Sanchez doing the dirty Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him a little oil check. <laughs> Your level's a bit low there, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Diego Sanchez putting his finger up his bum and then him biting Sanchez was a weird situation as well. It reminds me of the South Park episode when Carmen sucked uh, Butters' cock. Except <laughs> <laughs> Butters was gay. <laughs> So Diego Sanchez proudly says he stuck his finger up his ass and then calls him a cheat yeah. for biting him. So um, add a bit him. <laughs> Mickey Gall, I thought was actually gonna be great. No, no, I did. I thought he'd be good. Uh, great. Well, I thought he'd peak later. <laughs> I thought he'd be top fifteen at best, but because he's shown so much, um, he's good on the ground, isn't he? Yeah, Jiu Jitsu is good. Yeah, but then you look at the people he beat. Well, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. is is Flurry into the UFC for his first fight? Diego Sanchez is a legend. I I won't hear anyone say anything otherwise. But to be get, getting dominated. Speaking of head coaches. Oh, well, <laughs> well, that's another episode. That's a bonus episode. <laughs> of the biggest frauds in MMA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame my best head coach though. <laughs> well, no, it's an easy gig, isn't it? It's the easiest gig in the world. You gotta be. What a, what a coach! <laughs> what a coach! <laughs> but his last girlfriend, what well, should I say? His last wife was his coach. Yeah. So he's known for it. We can. There's a lot we can talk about from Mike Perry's well, mental state. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's some dodgy waters we're swimming out into yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> On the actual fight itself, though, Mike Perry got armbar by Cerrone with yeah. so much ease yeah. on the ground. It's whether he took it to the ground. He did, yeah. And then got rolled like a pretzel. But can Mickey Gold get it to the ground is a question. Because on the feet, yeah, Mike Perry's got the edge. Perry, it's hard as well. Well, hasn't he lost like four of his last five? Yeah, but... Goal. He's fought a lot of the competition. It's good matchmaking, though. It's good matchmaking. It tells us where they both are. I think Mike Perry gets it done. I do. I think Mike Perry gets it done. I think Mike Perry gets it done on the feet. Yeah, I do. The main event. Because you're not stopping him. No, you're not. Unless you're... Finish him. Or break his arm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Otherwise, other than that, have you seen the face he, he, he took out of the Vicente Luque fight? That nose was he got something up. else. And unfortunately for him, he, he met a killer that wasn't really on the radar in Jeff. Yeah, yeah. 
And there's no great shame in getting starts by Jeff Neal because he looks oh, okay. legit. Yeah, both of them are legit top ten. Yeah, welterweights. And Cowboy's obviously a legend. So they've rolled together though. Cowboy went into that with a lot of confidence because they've trained together. Oh, what they? Yeah, know yeah, that. from the same gym, weren't they? Where For a you? while, because Perry was at Jackson's, weren't he? Oh, was he? Oh, there you go. You live and learn. Um, main event: Hooker Poirier. Well, I, let, let me just start this by saying, who do you want to win? Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> would you see me in the bar when um, Poirier was fighting Khabib? Uh, well, what, when Poirier got that um, guillotine. guillotine on and it looked like he had it tight, me and you, me and you were, were on our feet. We were. He's the nicest guy ever, isn't he? Yeah, he He's is, just yeah. a nice guy. But, styles make fights and it doesn't necessarily mean anything that Dan Hooker got absolutely starched by Edson Barboza. How old are now, though? I'm not sure. He's not old. He's just four Felder, isn't he? To a controversial split decision, yeah. I I thought Felder won, but it there's isn't. levels, though, isn't he? There's levels, and where's Poirier at, and where's Hooker at? I suppose. I I I'm giving this one the edge in this one. Both standing and on the ground to Poirier. Oh yeah, you've got to, you, you've got to. But Dan Hooker's thirty, um, but he's lanky, isn't he? He's rangy. Mm. He's got good range, and and Hooker has tradition. Um, Poirier has struggled with Lanky McGregor. Yeah, the well, reach on McGregor the really giving problems, didn't it? Obviously, Hooker's not even in the same ballpark as McGregor's skill set. But I agree. I think Dustin Poirier gets it done. I also think he finishes him. Yeah, I do. I think it depends what Poirier we get back after the Khabib loss, though. I can't see him. I just can't see him as the type of. I, Going by his training videos and his personality and what others are saying about him. And the team he comes from. He's not a weak-minded individual. Both of them are coming from a good team. The are, yeah. City Kickboxing in um, New Zealand is... Uh, well, they've got loads of killers now, haven't they? Best coach of the year last year, according to um, Ariel Hawani. Yeah, he did, yeah. Rightly so, rightly so. Adesanya had one of the best years ever in the history Volkanovski. of Volkanovski. That's Australia, don't it? No, but he's the same team. Yeah, yeah but... It's no, like... it's the same team in... Yeah, but it's not the same gym. It is. He, he trains there with Adesanya. They were talking about it. He doesn't. He, he must go there to train with him sometimes because they were talking but about his, it. His, co- his team is in Australia. 100%. Okay. I am never wrong. Never. Ever. So, yeah. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't see how Hooker gets it done, really. I just can't see it. Because Poirier's cardio is second to none as well. He outworked Eddie Alvarez, who's known as like a workhorse and Justin Gaethje and he finished both of them so what can you do it's levels it's levels look at the competition he's finished both Alvarez <coughs> and Gaethje and Gaethje who were both top of the pile mm. absolutely top of the pile and to be fair Justin Poirier said for years that he's absolutely smoked Tony Ferguson he's just never got the opportunity and to prove it yeah. and I believe he I would I believe him yeah 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 so that's that's the so the only thing to talk about now is the news. What's going on in the news at the minute? And the only things that I think the main thing to talk about is what's going on in regards to the UFC of the stars. And when I say stars, I'm talking Henry Cejudo's retired, Mas not through any other reason other than payment. Masvidal has refused the Usman fight due to payment. John Jones has said about the Ngannou fight due to payment, and Conor McGregor's retired again. Now, we don't know the reason of why Conor McGregor retired. He's saying it's because there's no one out there that interests him. Me and you, me and you had a, a conversation about this previously on an earlier episode. We were talking about when all the litigation things was going on, like the, the court cases with Zufa, and we were talking about how the contract deals work and how shady it can be. 
what's your thoughts on this now that it's all come to light? Because it's, it's really easy to see how shady the negotiations are for contracts. So they say, well, this is your next fight, we'll negotiate a new contract, but it's a seven-fight contract. Mm. So it's, it's not like you get to negotiate a new contract if they say you can negotiate a new contract. Yeah. They can just put you out past you. They need to offer you two fights a year, but they don't have to offer you more money. Yeah. It's it's and you you know, your fights your your worth changes from fight to fight and it's good as your last fight. Yeah. So if your last fight was amazing and you've your stock's risen loads, it doesn't mean nothing for them contract wise. No, because what they'll do is they'll offer you an increase in your pay and what, another seven fights. Exactly, yeah. So the way I look at it, I'm I'm conflicted on this because for example, the UFC event that has just happened this yep. past weekend, yep. Jim Miller fought on, I think it was the first or second fight in the main card, and he got a submission victory. Now, overall, Jim Miller took for that fight $230,000. Now, any other organisation in MMA, the fella who's fighting on the second card, on Jim Miller's stature, and this is no disrespect to Jim Miller, and I sincerely mean that, but he's never been highlighted or promoted as a main eventer. Him getting two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, I think, is is quite a good solid pay. Now, when you get to the main eventers, the ones who are selling the pay per views, so you've got your John Jones, your Conor McGregor's, your Israel Adesanya's, now your big big names, and they're not happy with the pay they're getting. And we don't know. There is the issue. We don't know fully. We don't get full disclosure of exactly what they're getting paid. But say it's two, three million dollars. You've got to take into account what the UFC are getting from it, from the ESPN deal to gates, um, for the gate, um, for pay-per-views. We don't know. But it seems that it's, what, 15 20% of the revenue? Yeah. Well, the problem is we do know now. Because now with the UFC being bought by... There's still background bonuses, though. Well, no, they've still got to declare that. So, because it, it's a publicly traded company, profits need to be declared. You need to declare your profits and what you spent. So I know there's probably ways to make it to to change it a bit, but for the most part, we know exactly what they earn, and we know exactly what they spend. Mm. So we know that just purely profits, purely profits, fifteen percent of them profits, fifteen to twenty percent of them profits. You can look at it, the the stats at all. We we looked at it the week the bar charts, didn't we? Mm. And fifteen somewhere in fifteen to twenty percent is the share of the profits that the fighters are all fighting over. Yeah. This is what they get from the UFC. So that says eighty percent. Of the profit goes to the promoter, the promoting organization, which doesn't put itself in the cage, doesn't get battered, it doesn't bring the talent. It do you know what I mean? It, it does bring the talent. No, it brings it brings promotion talent. It doesn't bring the talent we watch. I don't go to UFC to watch Dana White put on a good show with a good cage. You watch, you want to watch Khabib fighting. Uh, the, the the talent the fighters bring is worth at least fifty percent of the profits. Not what they take in, just the profits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing really I can say to dispute that. They're obviously using the NFL as a model who use 50% of the profits. I'll be honest, I don't know what other sports... No, I think you'd have to you'd have to take away comparing it to other sports. I mean, the closest sport you can compare it to is boxing because they run off the same model, do you know what I mean? Like, similar, yeah. as in, there'll be this many fights a year, this many cards. I know there's loads of different promotes and stuff because of the Alley Act and everyone's got... You can't tie a fighter down as easily in a contract. Well, the reason I brought up about Jim Miller... Is if if you want to follow the boxer model, yeah, okay. If you're Canelo Alvarez or you're Floyd Mayweather or you're Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder, yeah, okay, you're getting twenty million. But what about the other guys? No, I agree. They're getting nowhere near what the UFC are paying. You can go and have a boxing in boxing. You can go and fight for five hundred dollars. 
On 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 like a Mayweather card. On a Mayweather card. Yeah, yeah. bottom of the card you could fight for five hundred dollars. Yeah. That your camp, your your fucking six months, whatever, fourteen weeks training, getting ready for a fight, everything you've done, yeah. you can get there and make five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. That that's absolutely astounding. That's ridiculous. But other than that, there's still if we take away what they pay, the lower cards and stuff, all the fighters are fighting over that small profit margin. That profit margin isn't right because even when you take sponsorships and everything, everything that comes into the company, they are, they, that's what, Reebok aren't paying, so Dana White's will wear their fucking tracksuits. Mm. It's not, that, that money isn't brought in for Dana White. I know UFC in itself is its own brand. Yeah. And it, it's it's a really well-established and successful brand. But it's, it's fuck all without the fighters. Just like most of the fighters get nothing without UFC. Yeah. It's at least a 50-50 deal though. No, I agree. I agree. The fighters should be getting paid a lot more. It's the main events. So you see, what's happened is basically Conor McGregor gave an interview, didn't he, where he said when he fought Khabib, he took $30 million. Yeah. So that made John Jones go, you took what? Yeah. <laughs> and then it made other main events level fighters go like, I'm gone a minute. Yeah. But then that begs the question of what were the pay-per-view revenue? What are you worth? What, what are you worth? So is Conor McGregor the anon- anomaly? He's an, yeah, anomaly? he's an X-Factor though, isn't he? He's different. So comparing what John Jones should be paid to what McGregor should be paid is a false comparison. But well, how do you put a figure on what John Jones should be paid? You've got to put a figure on. You've, the figure has to be... I mean, I understand when Dana White comes out and goes, you don't bring this many fans as McGregor. He's right. So if you want more money... Because what, what John Jones has said is, I want more money. Fuck the pay-per-views. Fuck how much is sold. I want more money. I want you to pay me what I'm worth. Flat, flat rate. Which... They can't do. Well, yeah, they can't do, but what is the flat rate? What What is he worth on a flat rate? He's worth more than 500 grand. He's not getting paid 500 grand. I know it's come out. He's not No, but he gets, he gets, that's before his pay-per-views. Isn't Cormier it? said that when Cormier fought Jones, he got 3 million pay-per-views. No, 500 grand is before the pay-per-view revenues. So that's what he gets flat rate. So that's what he gets before the sales. And he gets a certain cut of the sales, doesn't he? So he'll get 25 grand as if the Reebok. He'll get five hundred grand for flat rate to turn up, and he'll get a certain portion of the revenue. That's fair, isn't it? It depends what the that's what portion I mean. of the revenue is. Who who's, who dictates whether that's fair or not? Because if you look at Jones against Cormier, obviously the pay per views for that went through the roof. But let's see the pay per view numbers for Jones against Anthony Smith and yeah. Jones against Dominic Reyes. Let's have a look at them pay per views. Because the onus is on you as well. And that's not right. And I'm not saying that's right. But that's the business model that the UFC is. You've got to make the fans want to tune in and watch you. This is the opposite of what you were saying before, though, when you were saying it's not down to you to entertain them. It's down to you to bring... To be, you want to see a fighter. You don't want them to be a heel. But did you need to entertain us in a certain way? Did you need to bring a personality? No, you're right. But you, you, can, you can extend that. If you look at Dustin Poirier... Dustin Poirier gets, I don't know what he gets paid, but he doesn't <coughs> act, even Justin Gaethje, they don't act as if there's something or not. But if you're talented enough, the fans will come. Khabib isn't Mr. Personality, let's be honest. There is a market for Khabib, wasn't there, I think? Well, obviously there's a huge Russian market and the Muslim market as well, but still, he's still a household name. Maybe Conor McGregor's got a... Yeah, well, he has, he has, has, he has. Yeah, he has. Same with Diaz, Nate Diaz. What what? Cause Nate Diaz was held back though. No, but here's something as well. Nate Diaz giving fighters shit now for talking about pay, and giving fighters shit for taking fights on less pay, 
and he's saying they're holding back the market, they're holding back fighters. Well, Nate Diaz, before you fought McGregor, you was getting what, 16 grand? Which not, you shouldn't have been fighting for 16 grand, I completely agree with him. But You accepted it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you did it as well, so you, when you could have helped and brought your name to it, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying with that one. Um, but I can't... Well, alright, on this then, what's your stance on the shills? I did the air quotes on that. What are you talking like, Gilbert Burns? Chill, Sonnen. What about Charles? And Daniel Cormier, who are now commentators, who talk about fighters, should accept what to pay because that's what they're worth. Charles Sonnen on his podcast saying, on his you YouTube channel, saying you signed the contract, you have to accept what that contract is now. Or Daniel Cormier saying what he, he said a very similar thing to Charles Sonnen, saying that this is what you sh- you are worth, this is what you should be paid. This is your title shot, you should take this title shot. Uh I don't know that I agree with it. Well, you shouldn't, because the the reason that they're saying that, and this is just a, this is just a lesson in life, isn't it? They're looking out for number one themselves. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Sean O'Malley, for example. Yeah, we had this conversation, didn't we? So Sean O'Malley saying no, there's nothing wrong with it because um, he's on a, on the road to superstardom, isn't yeah, he? he? You is, can yeah. see he's on that path. He's on a different path from someone who's just talented. Sean O'Malley is talented, but he brings a massive personality and he, he breaks into a massive market as well. He's on, not not as, because I believe like Conor McGregor is like a once in a lifetime type athlete in the sense of becoming a household name, but he's on that career ju- trajectory. trajectory. Yeah. So yeah. he's a, he's on he's going to be a massive name soon and uh, he's protecting his own value. That's what and he's that's, doing. And that's okay. That's, that's fine. It's but, not honourable, but what, what can in this do? In this sense, this is why I think it's so difficult for the fighters to break this. To, to, there's no way these fighters will ever unionise because they're competing with each other. It's not like a team competing with another team. It's a personal fighter yeah, yeah, yeah. competing with another fighter. And what can you do about that? It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? And every time there is a union, right, and this is all, no disrespect to all fighters that have took part in the union, but the fighters that are representing a union and fair play I'll be honest, are all fighters who are past the prime. Or or have personal interest in it. There's never going to be... The only way this ever changes is through legislation. That's it. It has to be a legal thing. So the only way you ever change something like this is, say, the Ali Act, which which I know there's there's loopholes in that now. But there's loopholes in that as well. So even with the Ali Act, legislation needs to be changed. So it needs to go through a government. It needs to be a law. You need to, to protect fighters. And that's never happening. I mean, Dana White's mates with fucking Donald Trump. They need the likes of Sean O'Malley to say, I'm done. But not only him. Every other up-and-comer. Yeah, or not even just up-and-comers. If you got all the big names, you just went, mm, nah. And then every up-and-comer with that, because that's the future, isn't it? The yeah. fu- Sean O'Malley is the future. But you can build another future. Your future, The future isn't gonna, isn't what they need. What they need is... say, say the, Just take the card next weekend. Let's take that one card. Let's say 12 fighters just went the day before. You know, actually, no, we're not doing it. And that card goes down. That happens twice. It's done. The game's done. But you'll never get that many people to do it. No, you won't. And imagine how strong our Dana White will come down on it. Yeah. Before we uh, finish this podcast, I want to talk about uh, a little thread that happened on Twitter, which I was unaware of. And it was Joe Silver, the scumbag. Did you see this? Joe the scumbag Silver. Have you heard the stories? No. So Eddie Alvarez put a tweet up about Joe Silver because... I've heard Brendan Schaub, and I'm, I'm aware he's not the most popular in the MMA community, but he, even he said that Joe Silver was known as a bit of a scumbag. Now, Eddie Alvarez we- fought Anthony Pettis. Yeah. And 
I don't know if you remember the fight, but it wasn't a great fight. But anyway, he went to some bar or restaurant and Joe Silver was sat there. So he said, Alvarez said that he thought it would be polite to go over to Joe Silver and say, like, um, any ideas on my next opponent? Yeah. So Joe Silver said no. And he said, uh, well, if the champion's not busy, you know, I'm interested, which was RDA at the time. And Joe Silver said, as long as I'm in this company, you will never fight for the title. So Eddie Alvarez was like, he said, I felt ashamed and belittled. But there's nothing I could do at that time because he held the power in the UFC yeah. and he could like blackball me. So he said, anyway, Dana White phoned him a week later and said, the RDA fight. And he knocked RDA out in the first round, didn't he? Yeah. And he said when he went backstage, Joe Silver was walking past him and he, he went up to Joe Silver as if to say like, you know. What was that about? And Joe Silver like totally blanked him and just went like, go away and walked past and now a lot of fighters have been coming out with saying Joe Silver's an absolute scumbag. Yeah. He was one of them that would say, you'll fight her. But that reminds me, I remember, this is going back, but when Machida was fighting in the UFC, um, Machida was fighting a guy called Sokaju. Yeah. And I think it was either his debut or anything, or his second fight or whatever, but Machida was getting the best of him. And Joe Rogan said on commentary... Joe Silver's just been whispering in my ear. They're saying um, your wins are decent, but you're in the UFC now, boy. Why would he be invested on how? He shouldn't be, should he? Yeah, but so apparently it's all coming out now. So there's a bit of a movement at well, the minute. This is like because we've just talked about last time we talked about the contract negotiations and what come out. There's a lot of transcripts that have come out from Joe Silver's negotiations with fighters before that, like Nick Diaz. It was it was openly talked about in court about Joe Silver's dealings with Nick Diaz and how he fucked Nick Diaz over. And this doesn't surprise me in the slightest. It seems to be his working modus operandi, doesn't it? It's just how he did it. It's sad, but it's the way business works. It? It's the way business works if you're a shithead. But businesses work because you're a Businessmen usually are shitheads. <laughs> Let's be fair, it's someone who's making money off someone else's talent. You have to be a bit of a shithead. Yeah. Because just to do something like that, you'd have to be a shithead. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone into depth um, over issues this week. There's nothing really left for me to discuss unless you want to bring something up. No. Well, it's the same time next week. Same time next week. See you later, players! <laughs>